You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. So welcome, Dr. Lowe. Hello, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love that you agreed to come on uh, with me to talk about hormones. And as we mentioned, we're going to use this as a teaching for my membership in October and uh, then later on as a podcast. But I've been so remiss when I talk to my community about hormones because I say, you know, do this because you want to balance your hormones or eat that to balance your hormones. And I never really say why or what are hormones or why is this yeah. so important and what are the symptoms of your hormones being out of balance? So you are an expert and I think that, I don't know, first, why don't we talk about what hormones are? Let's do it. Yeah. So hormones are something I've been passionate about for a really long time. Ever since I learned about them, I think it was ninth grade, we did some sort of presentation on hormones. And I said, I want to be an endocrinologist because it was just so fascinating to me, just how hormones work and they affect everything. And as I've entered different stages of life, I'm now 40. When I started my podcast 10 years ago, I wasn't anywhere near the, the stage that I'm in right now. I just had a kid two years ago and it just really put to the forefront exactly what hormones do. And it affects everything in our, our life, how we feel, how we think, how we act. And just to make it really simple, hormones are basically chemical messengers. And we have receptors for hormones on every cell in our body, whether that's estrogen or progesterone on our brain, our heart, our bones. And so hormones do a lot more than just affect like hot flashes. They really affect every single organ system and they do so many things. They do. And I actually, uh, from what I understand, there are like 65 hormones in the body. So many, yep. So many hormones, mo a lot of the ones we haven't even heard of, and we can test a good amount of them and get a good idea of what's going on with them. Yeah. That's so important. And the unfortunate thing is that most people who just go to a conventional doctor, they come in with all these symptoms and their um, standard tests run on them and everything is said, oh, it's a-okay, you're all mm -hmm. right. And the patient is left going, no, I don't feel all right. This isn't right. Yeah. But conventionally trained doctors don't do the hormone tests. That yeah, exactly. That's a good point is that it's you're lucky to even get the test run. And unfortunately, you have to wait until you have all kinds of symptoms before they even run the test. But my philosophy is you can test this even when you feel good, you feel healthy to have a baseline so you can see what your hormones look like when you feel good because everybody's levels are different. You can have two women with the exact same panel and one is having symptoms, one isn't. And maybe for the woman who's having symptoms, her optimal is a little bit higher in these different hormone levels. So you really have to take it all into account and do the right testing. And so it's an art and a science for sure. Yes, art and, science. <laughs> and I think when I say balance your hormones, or I just say hormones in general, a lot of people, depending on where they're at in their life, they may automatically think, oh, like 13 year old boys, hormones run amok, or yeah. they think about <laughs> um, menopausal women, but the hormones that are created in the gut and in the thyroid and cortisol, I mean, this is what we're going to go into today because it's so much more than that. And it's the key to so many things. Yeah. So 
Absolutely. Why don't we start with people coming into your office? They probably have a litany of symptoms. Why don't you give us an idea of the symptoms people come in with that make you think, oh, let's check some hormones out. Yeah, well, I know your audience is probably the exact age range and demographic that I see in terms of my patients. The most common thing that women come in for is a difficulty losing weight, also fatigue, really common to have sleep problems and also sex drive issues. And then also mood stuff, anxiety, depression, brain fog, especially when in terms of the weight gain issue, it's more like in the midsection, they find that even with the same amount of exercise, the same type of diet. They just can't get away with the things that they used to get away with. And so they're having to really limit calories and work out a lot harder. So it's really frustrating for these ladies because a lot of times at this age, their, their kids are around their, their teenagers at this point, a lot of times. And so these moms are more stressed and I hear it so much where the, the woman's like, Oh, God bless my husband, bless his heart. He's such a great husband, but I'm just, I don't have that sex drive and they feel guilty about it. And as women, we can really be hard on ourselves and have this image of this ideal woman. And we compare ourselves to that. And when hormones are not doing well, it's really hard to kind of match up to that. So those are the main symptoms I, I would say that they deal with. And unfortunately they tend to let these symptoms go for a really long time before they get help. So one of the things I love to do is when I have patients come in before that period of life, it's nice to be able to set that strong foundation to where once they are going through menopause, it's an easier transition. But once they do go through that transition, if they haven't done the work leading up to it, there's still so much that can be done to help them feel so much relief. Oh, absolutely. And even when we're talking about hormones being imbalanced and causing perimenopause or menopausal issues... I mean, really, teenage girls can go through this too. Absolutely. More and more having difficult periods and they're um, really struggling and they're not even getting the right testing done to, to alleviate issues down the road. It, it's just Exactly. What they ask their doctor, can I have hormone testing? They say, no, it's not necessary right. because they're too young. But to your point, I've seen women in their early 20s. I had a, a woman when I first started practicing, she had osteoporosis and she was in her early 20s. And so they were suspecting it was from being on birth control pills. It just was really shutting off her hormone production. And so her bones paid the price for that. And I've seen women diagnosed with early menopause in their twenties where they're having hot flashes, night sweats, infertility. And many of these women have turned things around and were able to have a healthy pregnancy. The body can heal and our body God designed, and it's an incredible design. And it is designed to heal. We are designed to be healthy. And it's really just a matter of figuring out what's getting in the way of that. And how can we remove those factors? And how can we use the beautiful gifts in nature to be able to support our body and, and getting back into that balance and feeling good again? I hear it a lot where women will say, I feel like myself again. That's always the best thing to hear because that's where, when we are feeling like ourselves, that means that we're feeling good. We're, we're supposed to feel good. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that you said the way God designed our bodies, he designed these hormones to be, and I heard this on a podcast, I'm not sure if it was yours or not, but something about hormones being like little emails. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yep. Every Exactly. And you, you got to open up those lines of communication to where each body system talks to its neighbor. It's our brain communicating with our ovaries, communicating with our thyroid, communicating with our adrenal glands. And there's different ways that these communications can get mucked up and not send those messages properly. And so doing the testing where you can take kind of a bird's eye view and look at the whole system and see where is this dysfunction? It's not just, okay, you have low estrogen. I'm going to give you estrogen. It's more of, okay, where is the 
where's the dysfunction and how can we intervene with that with least invasive modalities as possible? And then the most invasive is the, the kind of the last resort. And, and a lot of times you can do things from a nutritional perspective, like you're talking about herbal medicine and what really oftentimes makes the biggest difference is shifting lifestyles. It's how to set certain boundaries and maybe say no a little bit more and not feeling guilty about it and, and sleeping better. And, and just all those things that for a lot of these ladies, they're just used to serving and, and doing so much for their kids, for their husband, for their community, whether they're involved in church and outreach and doing all these things and have to be able to kind of turn that in and give that same type of care for yourself. Cause it ends up, even if it's a lot of ladies are like, well, it's not motivating enough to do it for themselves. But if you look at it from, okay, I'm doing this for my kids and doing this for my husband. Sometimes that's a little bit easier to take that permission to do that for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big why behind uh, fixing your health has to be outside of yourself, beyond yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. So you mentioned thyroid. Why don't we start with thyroid? Let's talk about symptoms of thyroid imbalance, you know, hypo or hyper correct testing. Let's just dig in there first. Yep. Yep. So this is originally what brought me into wanting to become an endocrinologist. So rewind back to high school days, I had a raging thyroid problem and didn't know my parents brought me to Kaiser doctors and they did the, they did a TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone. That's the one that's most commonly run. And I think they may have done a T4. What conventional medicine does is if you have a TSH that's too high, they will reflex and do a T4. But if your TSH isn't too high, they will just leave it at that. And what TSH is, is it's the thyroid stimulating hormone from your brain. So when you have too high of a level, that's an indication that your thyroid is underactive. And so your brain is having to send a stronger signal to make that work. And so they did the test, but it wasn't over the threshold of the conventional cutoff. It was probably something like around a four, which to them, it needed to be like a 4.5 or higher. But in my uh, practice, if something is over even a two and someone has symptoms, I'm going to be looking at, okay, what's their thyroid looking like? Do they have symptoms? How can we optimize things? And so if I were my doctor back then, I would have done things very differently, but Hey, I wouldn't have gone down this road to doing what I do, but I had all kinds of problems and, and it made that period of life really hard for me. I gained all kinds of weight. I gained probably 30 pounds within maybe uh, a year and my hair was falling out. I remember running my hands through my hair and it was like, just coming out like crazy. It was always on my clothes. And my friends would be like, geez, you use a, you lose a lot of hair. What's going on? I was like, I know I just shed. I have a lot of hair. I always ran really cold. And at the time that was tough because my mom was going through menopause. So she would keep the AC on blast and I was freezing and it would just, it would hurt. I was so cold. It would hurt. I was depressed. I had brain fog. And I was tired. I remember going to the prom and just feeling so anxious and I didn't feel pretty because I felt so puffy and overweight. And it was just a really tough time. And it wasn't until fast forward into college, I ended up seeing a doctor. I went to Biola and I remember seeing a doctor on campus and I was put on a low dose um, hormone. And within a couple of months, weight was just falling off of me because my thyroid was finally supported. And so I remember going to different social events that were with my high school friends and they were like, whoa, Lauren looks so different. I ended up being lighter in weight than I was in high school, which oftentimes when you go into college, you get that freshman 15 or whatever. And it was the opposite for me because my thyroid was finally being addressed. 
So the thyroid does a lot. The symptoms I mentioned, weight gain, you can have brain fog, you can have depression, you can have menstrual issues. At the time, my periods were barely ever coming. Maybe every few months I was getting a period, dry skin, all kinds of stuff. And it's because going back to what I said in the beginning is you have receptors for your hormones in every cell in your body. So the thyroid affects all these body systems, your brain, your muscles, you can have aches and pains. You can have leg cramps, foot cramps, so many things. And and so the tests that are run is the TSH and the T4. Those are the most popular ones that doctors run. But in my practice, I run eight different markers. I'm doing TSH, T4, T3. I'm ch checking free T4, free T3. So these are the active thyroid hormones. And what they mean by free is they're not bound to a protein. So they are biologically active. And it's really important to check. I also run something called reverse T3. So this is an inactive thyroid hormone. And sometimes the rest of the whole panel looks normal, but you might have a high reverse T3. And so it's like a savings account with all kinds of money that you can't access. And so you can have low thyroid symptoms where the rest of your panel is normal. And there's reasons that can happen, whether it's adrenal problems or infections, sometimes the body will store thyroid hormones for that reason. And then I also check antibodies. So at 80% of the time, when you have a thyroid problem, it's an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. And by the way, all these different things I'm mentioning, this is referring to an underactive thyroid, which most of the time, if you have a thyroid problem, it's underactive. So with something like Hashimoto's, it's technically not a thyroid problem. It's an autoimmune problem. And so to where your immune system is actually attacking your thyroid. And this happens for a variety of reasons, but the simply put the root cause in that is leaky gut. It's gut permeability. And that can be a result from antibiotic use, which most of us have been on so many rounds of antibiotics. I know when I was a kid, it was given like candy, the amoxicillin, the pink liquid. And I was put on antibiotics for acne many times for strep throat. So I think that was a big reason that I ended up having thyroid problems. But, and then there's also birth control pills. We know that those things can cause leaky gut pain pills, antidepressants, and then also sometimes food sensitivities can lead to it. So gluten is a really big trigger for Hashimoto's flares and then different infections. So whether it's maybe Epstein-Barr virus or parasite infections, bacteria. And so all these things just gang up on the gut and then that indirectly affects the thyroid and then you can have Hashimoto's. So you can see you have to do a lot more testing than just checking TSH and T4. Otherwise you're just going to be put on medication and you're never going to get to the root of the problem. So those are the different tests that are run and you have to look at not only the right test, but also from an optimal lens. So again, you can have a woman who has a TSH at three and she has raging thyroid symptoms because maybe she has low free T3, which is the active thyroid hormone. And maybe she has, you know, thyroid antibodies. So if you test that, it's going to be treated in a very specific way, as opposed to someone who just has her thyroid a little underactive. And so then on the flip side, it can be an overactive thyroid. So basically all the symptoms are reversed. You feel really revved up. You have a lot of anxiety. You might run on the hot side. Maybe you're losing too much. So a lot of times when you have an overactive thyroid, it's from an autoimmune condition called Gray's disease, but the root of the problem is still the same. It's a leaky gut, you know, cause any autoimmune condition. That's the root of the problem. So it's just a matter of how it shows up for the individual and what disease can result from that. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned cancer earlier because I had thyroid cancer and I just keep thinking if they'd only run a full thyroid panel on me, cause I was symptomatic for a couple decades before yeah. diagnosis, right. They would have seen the antibodies. 
Yeah, they absolutely. Something needed to be done. And I believe cancer could have been avoided. Yeah. And you have to do an ultrasound. So if anyone listening has had thyroid problems for a long time, I would definitely encourage you to ask your doctor to do a thyroid ultrasound. Sometimes they don't think about doing it, but it's just a good idea to see has your thyroid been damaged in any way? And also, are there maybe any nodules going on that could be something that's cancerous? Most of the time it's not, but it's just good to be thorough and, and just check on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who um, was dealing with thyroid nodules for a long time and kept, they had to go all the way, they, they lived in Illinois, they had to go all the way to Southern California to find a doctor who would do these ultrasounds. Crazy. And the correct testing, and this was like a while back, but they gave up gluten and started healing their gut and the nodules actually went away, which, you know, they could have become something. Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. And and the reason is because gluten looks really similar to your thyroid um, from a microscopic level. So if your body is um, attacking your own thyroid and you eat gluten, it can create that flare where it attacks not only the gluten, but also your thyroid too. And I'll see this with lab testing where say a patient with Hashimoto's has been gluten-free and her antibodies are way down. And then maybe she just says, Oh, I'm just going to have some pizza or whatever. It's, I'm, I've been doing good. Let me just have some. And if she's really sensitive to it, she can have those antibodies flare and, and she gets her symptoms to come back. So yeah, it's just after a while they say it's not worth it. I feel so good. I don't, it's not even something. And I love your great explanation about um, TSH because when I get a new client and I say, okay, have you had your thyroid checked? And they say, yes, it came back fine. I said, well, will you yeah. share your numbers with me? And she only had a TSH done. Yeah. And technically that's not even testing your thyroid. That's testing your brain. I know. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I say. You know, oh good. We know your brain is working. We still don't know if your thyroid is working. Exactly. Ah, That just drives me bonkers. And then she goes back to your doctor and her doctor says, I don't see any reason why to do those tests because your TSH is fine. And I'm like, oh. Exactly. And if they do happen to run the antibodies, it's usually because the patient demands it. And there's really nothing that can be done for Hashimoto's from a conventional medicine standpoint. They just keep checking the antibodies until they're so bad that there's damage to the thyroid and then they figure out from there what to do. So you really have to take a ground level approach. You got to look at the gut. I test every patient for leaky gut and, and give the majority of my focus on that. Even I, I had a patient yesterday coming in for acne problems and the whole focus of the visit is let's look at your gut. Let's look at your gut that's the root of pretty much everything. I'm a broken record with my patients. It's, I don't know how many times I've said leaky gut. It's crazy. <laughs> and typically when you're checking leaky gut, are you checking zonulin? What all are you checking? I'm checking a blood test that looks at zonulin. It looks like anti-zonulin, anti-actin. So these are different antibodies that when you have that permeability, those end up showing higher in the blood. And I also check something called LPS. This is a bacteria. It's called an endotoxin that can be, it can cause leaky gut. And also do stool testing to see if maybe there's something infectious, whether that's a bacteria or maybe you just have low good bacteria. Maybe you did antibiotics in the past and you not only wiped out the bad stuff, but you may have wiped out the good stuff and that can increase the chance of leaky gut too. Yeah. All right. I love this. So let's jump to the area of hormones. Let's talk about the adrenal glands. Let's do it. Yeah. Even connecting it from thyroid. I always check the adrenals to see if maybe that's the root of the problem because If you just jump to treating the thyroid and don't treat the adrenals, you're only going to get so much relief. It's going to be one of those where you feel better for a period of time, and then you just don't feel as good anymore. And so treating the adrenals is really big. You need proper adrenal function to convert the T4 into T3 for the thyroid. So if you're finding you have low T3, that's the place that I look at addressing first. 
So the, the symptoms of an adrenal problem, I would say the most common thing would be an afternoon crash. If maybe you feel okay in the morning, in the afternoon, you're just really dragging, but maybe you're tired all day long, or maybe you just feel revved up like that wired, but tired feeling. You just can't relax, but you're also like pretty exhausted. A lot of times my ladies will say that they, they're just go, go, go. But as soon as they sit down, they just fall asleep. They're just so tired. And unfortunately what can happen with this is that you can be tired throughout the day, but at night you might feel too awake to, to wind down and fall asleep because you do need healthy adrenal function to sustain healthy blood sugar throughout the night and be able to fall asleep and especially stay asleep. So it just ends up being this cycle where you don't get the rest that you need to heal up the adrenals. And then you just end up staying at this deficit where you don't charge those batteries. I refer to them a lot of times as batteries. Checking them is important as well. Those I don't check in the blood. I do either a saliva panel throughout the day, or I do a urine panel. Both can assess them pretty thoroughly. And then depending on how it looks, we'll intervene with whatever is necessary, whether it's maybe certain vitamins, for example, B5 isn't really talked about very often, but that's a really important vitamin for your adrenals and vitamin C. It's one of the most common deficiencies I see is vitamin C and you need that for healthy adrenals and magnesium, very common deficiency. It does over 300 things in your body, including supporting your adrenals. So Sometimes it's just as simple as that. Maybe you just need vitamin C and that is what does the trick. Other times we may need to step it up to herbal medicine and use different adaptogens, or maybe we need to use actual desiccated adrenal gland from say a pig or a cow. So some people get grossed out by that, but it's using, using nature to help support your body. Working on that for a period of time is really amazing. And that's where a lot of times women will say they feel like themselves again, they feel like they can handle stress better. So that's a big thing that they'll say is they just can't handle one more thing. It's like waiting for the other shoe to drop. They can only handle so much, but one more thing and they just explode. It's like a very, sometimes if you have a short fuse, that can be a clue of some adrenal issues. So yep, I've been there too. As I was telling you before we started recording, I'm in this process of moving into my new house. I moved out because of a mold problem and there's just been a lot of stress. It's affected my sleep. And that's the thing is that we go through different periods of life. And when life circumstances change, we have to be able to look at it, adapt and, and maybe change up the self-care. When you go through times of more stress, that's when care actually needs to increase. But usually that's the thing that gets pushed to the side. So it's a good reminder to all of us to prioritize that. It is. And I've also been through mold. So my heart has been going out to you as you've gone through this journey. Cause yes, it's been rough and it's interesting. Now I have so many mold patients coming to me. So it's great because I, I can empathize. I've been there. The other thing about adrenals is that the women that tend to have the hardest time going through menopause are oftentimes the ones that have adrenal fatigue. So yeah, that can really help things is addressing those to where once, cause once your hormones start to change, going through menopause, the adrenals have to kind of take up the slack and work a little harder. So if you're already on, if you're already in the red for your battery pack, they can only do so much. And that's where they tend to use coffee. You want that jump start using coffee. If you feel like you're not yourself until you drink some coffee, that's a good clue that we got to get those checked. I've had that happen to myself with tea. Oh yeah. So let's talk about those sex hormones also from the adrenals. And I know you and I are both fans of the Dutch test. Oh yeah. Let me ask you a question though. You're just your personal opinion. If you were to run, because I try to find clients for my doctors, or no, doctors for my clients and for my members when they need a good doctor, would you say that if you find a doctor who specializes in hormones and they only do blood testing, is that a red flag or is that, should I not be wary? 
Yeah, I think you want to find someone who does more advanced testing because the blood tests only show you so much. I'd give them maybe a C grade, but you want to find someone who's B plus or A, someone who kind of steps it up on the, the level of testing because there's so many nuances with your hormones. There's only so much you can see with the blood. We'll do blood and I'll also do either saliva or urine. Sometimes it just depends on cost. Sometimes patients can only afford the blood testing because it's a little bit cheaper, but it's nice to at least get one piece of information. But if a patient has maybe a history of certain types of cancers, or perhaps they did really poorly on birth control pills when they were younger, they may have, or maybe had the MTHFR mutation or COMT mutation. So if there's certain mutations, a history of, of not handling hormones, doing more of the advanced testing really is prioritized in those cases. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was a digress. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. back to sex hormones, let's talk about symptoms and perimenopause and menopause and what's going on. Yeah. So when you are a menstruating lady, you have good levels of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA. Say you feel good and you're having regular cycles, you're ovulating, all that kind of stuff. And then around mid thirties, and this depends on every woman, but around mid thirties, usually progesterone starts to go down a bit. And the average age of menopause is actually 51, 52, but menopause can start the process even 10 years before that. But usually the first thing we tend to see is progesterone going down. For some women, it's more gradual. For some women, it's quicker. Stress is a big piece with that. Adrenal health is a big piece as to what that decline can look like. And symptoms of what that could show up as would maybe be, you feel like before your period, you don't feel as good. Maybe you have more PMS symptoms that develop. Perhaps you have more anxiety or mood issues before your cycle, usually maybe a week before. And then you may have issues with sleeping. You find that your sleep isn't as good before your period. Those could be clues that your progesterone may be a little low and worth looking into. And estrogen after that can start to go down, usually in your forties, that may show up as maybe more aches and pains. You might feel a little more on the depressed side. And the reason for that is because estrogen has a relationship with serotonin. So it's that happy brain chemical that can show up as some, maybe just feeling blue, kind of blah, not feeling like the things that once gave you happiness and joy that just doesn't really do it as much for you anymore. And then the progesterone works with GABA. That's that calm neurotransmitter. And if those guys are going down, then that's when ladies will say, oh, I I just need a glass of wine before bed because that actually increases GABA, but it ends up worsening that cycle because it affects your sleep and maybe you don't have as restful of sleep. So it just worsens that whole cycle. But that's oftentimes what I tend to see when your sex hormones go down again, the adrenals have to kick in more. And then that's when you have more of those stress hormones happening, that's where you see that tire in the midsection where they find that they just have more belly fat. So working on the sex hormones and creating more of that balance can really help to improve body composition and make it to where you feel like you have that metabolism that you used to have. And another one that isn't checked oftentimes and talked about is testosterone. But during this time, ladies will often say, I'm, my sex drive isn't as good as it used to be. And so that may be an estrogen issue. Perhaps you have more vaginal dryness. And obviously if you have vaginal dryness, that's not very motivating to have sex, but it also could be a testosterone or DHEA deficiency. And that's where it's actually more of the drive. And yeah, checking those can really make a big difference. Testosterone also can help a lot with metabolism too. So that's why men lose weight so easily. They'll just hop on a treadmill and it just comes right off. But for us ladies, we have to work a little harder. So getting that testosterone boost, it can really help to support that process. So when your hormones are balanced, you feel like yourself period, your skin feels moisturized. Estrogen is a lubricator. Like I mentioned with the vaginal dryness. So when your estrogen gets higher, you don't have that issue. You feel like your skin just generally with your face, your body feels more lubricated. Same thing with your joints. So your, your joints can get kind of 
achy, if you can feel like a rusty hinge when your estrogen isn't so good. And so getting that boosted again, really helps with that. And so, yeah, you just feel moisturized. You feel happier. You sleep well, you have a good sex drive, your good mental health. You have receptors for hormones on your brain. I don't know if you know, Dr. Daniel Amen, you probably do, but he's a fantastic brain doctor and he utilizes bioidentical hormones frequently in his practice to help with brain repair, help with mood. It's a big thing. And the other part too, is a lot of times when ladies go through menopause, they're put on antidepressants Mm -hmm. when really, if they have their hormones addressed, they don't need to do that. And that's because again, going back to the serotonin thing, if you have low estrogen, you're going to have symptoms of low serotonin, Mm -hmm. but instead of going on an SSRI like Prozac or something like that, if you get the estrogen address, oftentimes it's not necessary to do that. And it's not to say that if you're put on it, you can't wean down and get off of it, but it's, uh, you have to really work with somebody who can kind of balance out that, that transition. Oh, Lord, so. I have my own horror story there. Cause when I first started going through perimenopause and things, I the hot flashes and, and I would always have an anxiety attack right before hot flash hit. Mm-hmm. And I go to this gynecologist and bless her heart. She was probably like, I don't know, 27. I don't know. But right, <laughs> I tell her my symptoms, and her response was to go on an antidepressant and to get counseling. Wow! And I was just like, and I was clueless back then. It was before I was a health coach and into functional sure. medicine, etc. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And when I realized I shouldn't have been on this antidepressant, it wasn't about depression; it was about hormones. And I weaned myself off the way she told me to. I was literally seeing things flying through the air. It yeah. was so scary. Wow. That should never have happened. Absolutely. And to your point, it's perhaps you may have felt a little better while you did those medicines. A lot of times ladies will yeah, feel a little bit better. Right. Exactly. But getting off of it can be hard. And yeah, again, hormones affect your mental health so much. Like something like postpartum psychosis, when women's hormones just decline quickly after having a baby, they can have psychiatric episodes. So obviously like to your point, hormones and your serotonin and all that connection with the neurotransmitters and the hormones that interplay can really cause major suffering when it's out of balance. Exactly. And these yeah. are being told that they're fine by their doctors. And exactly. And it's the worst when you're dismissed from your doctor. It's so frustrating because you go in there really hoping that they can help you and you end up feeling like there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you feel yeah. worse about yourself when you leave that appointment. And also the visits aren't long enough. Oftentimes they're 10 minutes long. It's exactly. like, how can you actually get things really assessed in that amount of time? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and they're taught in the typical conventional doctors taught in med school how to diagnose and prescribe a medication within seven minutes or something. Yeah. If it's just standard of care, it's a cookie cutter medicine. There's like a, literally a flow chart. If they say this, you go to this, these two things. If they say this, you go to this. It's like, how can we be simplified like that? We're just, we're too complex. Exactly. Too, yeah. yeah. And one medication causes more symptoms, which needs another medication. That's crazy. Right. Ugh. <laughs> what a mess. I know, I know. I love at the beginning of your podcast, it says um, something like, if you are you just chasing symptoms, you've got the wrong exit. Yeah, if you're looking <laughs> yeah. for all the yeah. symptoms, you've got the wrong exit. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so let's go to another hormone that I think people don't really understand created in the gut. You can clarify insulin. So many women, I'm doing everything right, Cynthia. I'm eating right. I'm exercising. I'm, I'm doing everything right. I cannot lose weight. Right. Yep. 
And there's such an interplay with the adrenals with this, because when your sex hormones go down, your adrenals have to kick in. And when you have that elevation of those stress hormones, that makes insulin spike. So insulin is, it, it essentially puts a lock on your fat tissues. I explained to my ladies that you have to really give yourself some grace where we talk about giving people grace, right? God gives us grace. We got to give ourselves grace because it's not your fault. It's really about hormones and your body is being really smart actually, because it's trying to give you energy. Fat is a fantastic energy source. So if you don't have that healthy or true energy, your body's going to hold on to fat because it really wants to help keep you going. So just trying to get yourself off the hook a little. When you're having spikes of insulin, you're going to have that difficulty losing weight. You get that midsection weight gain and that can be reversed. But what's important is that it does get addressed because insulin is inflammatory. The main causes of death in our country. So heart disease, cancer, diabetes, stroke, autoimmune disease is, is really rising. The common theme between all these different things is inflammation. So the most we can keep inflammation down, it's going to not only help with weight loss, but just reduce certain diseases. Insulin needs to be in a healthy balance. I always check fasting insulin for every patient. And I like to see it around a 10. Sometimes it's actually too low. Actually, I have seen it where a patient may have an insulin at a two or three, and that could be a clue that they actually have low blood sugar problems. They get hangry as they call it. And so you have to have that in a healthy balance, but when insulin is too high, you get the weight gain issue When it's too low. You can get a lot of crashes of blood sugar. So a lot of times it's as simple as you need to eat more. Actually, if you are low in your calorie intake, your body goes, all right, I'm not getting enough energy from the outside sources. So I'm going to hold on to the inside source of energy. And that's fat. That is a fantastic source of energy. So oftentimes when you add more calories, the right calories, the calories that don't make the insulin spike. So that's protein, it's fat, it's fiber. These things really keep that blood sugar burning in a very stable fashion. So I think of like a, a campfire, right? If you want to have campfire, keep burning. That's your metabolism, your fat burning. You want to add wood. You want to add things that burn really slowly. And that would be protein, fat, and fiber. If you want it to burn out, just throw some paper on it and that's carbs. So carbs aren't a bad thing, but you want to do the right kinds of carbs. You want to do more of the slower burning carbs. That's not the pastas and the breads and cookies and bagels and muffins and all that. You want to do more of it root vegetables, sweet potatoes. If you tolerate grains, doing like the whole grains, that's another topic. Sometimes that's hard for some patients. Fruit, it has the fiber in it. So the whole, the whole food, the way that it's in, in nature, you don't see a bagel tree, right? You don't see a muffin bush. So doing it in the way that, that nature, that God intended. And it really helps to stabilize that blood sugar, that insulin stays more stable. And then it's just easier to lose weight. And it's cool because you're actually eating more. And so also too, let's say you have adrenal fatigue and you're working out like crazy. The body's going to go, I do not have the energy for this. I'm going to hold on to fat because I really need it. So sometimes it's actually working out less. I'll tell patients, all right, for the next three months, you're in vacation mode. I want you to stop doing, you know, orange theory six days a week and going to CrossFit and working out with your trainer like crazy because your trainer doesn't know. They don't know all this about hormones, cut out the real heavy exercise, go on a, a gentle walk, half hour walk every day, just really try to relax, get some massage and just be in vacation mode and eat more. And it's amazing how that can make a big difference. And it's more fun anyway. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many people I, I do, always do a food mood poop journal with my new clients. And uh, <laughs> I love that. 
<laughs> and when I look at it, our second session or third session, I'm looking at it. I'm like, honey, you're not eating enough. Oh my gosh. I need to take, can I steal that? I'll give you, I'll give you credit for it. I love the food mood poop. That's amazing. Wow. So they just track their food, their mood and their poop. Yeah. yeah. So the food, you know, is self-explanatory. The poop, I tell them, I want to see, know exactly how it looks, exactly how it smells when you're. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> mood is everything in between. So it could be like my, my joints ache. I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. I have a little rash on my face. Yeah. You know, whatever. So it's a symptom a journal. That's great. And that I love that. Me. I think I got this from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, from one of my schools. I can't remember which school yet. <laughs> that is so cool. It's, it really sticks in the mind. So yeah, that's great. And it's very important too. And it also is very empowering for you as the patient to learn this stuff. You're with yourself a lot more than your doctor's with you. So learning this and becoming that expert is so empowering. And you're able to really see all these different nuances about your health. Yeah, exactly. And I just remembered functional nutrition labs, which is in Oregon, which is also where you went to school, right? Right now. on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where I got Cool. So why don't we, I know we talked about leaky gut earlier. I don't think, it, and I just want to end with this because I know we're going late and I don't want to keep you too long, but the gut creates the neurotransmitters and the feel good serotonin. And I want people to understand how important it is to take care of their gut and know where its health is at because of the cascading effect if they don't because yeah. as we know all things. So can you just give everyone yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So our digestive tract starts from our mouth all the way to our bottom and it's one long tube and technically within the tube, that's actually outside of your body. It's not within, it's not until you pass through the gut lining and go into the bloodstream that it's technically in your body. So you have this hollow tube going from your mouth to your bottom and the health of the whole thing is very important. It starts with your dental health. So if you have, you know, periodontal disease, if you like bad breath, for example, it's a clue. There's probably something going on with your gut, right? So taking care of your dental health is huge. Your stomach, your intestines. There's lots of ways that this can go awry, whether you have low enzymes, maybe low stomach acid production, you may have bad bacteria, not enough of the good bacteria. There could be things like parasites, yeast overgrowth. And what happens with all of these is that it affects the gut lining where there can be inflammation and that can create that permeability in, in the gut. And so then you have this breach of the borders really of your in intestines and that can allow bad things to go through that shouldn't get into your, your body and that can create inflammation. So say for one person that inflammation can target the thyroid and then there's Hashimoto's maybe for someone else that can target the joints and that can increase the chance of rheumatoid arthritis and so on. So there's my friend, Dr. Tom talks about the weak link. What's the, the weak link for you? Everybody is, is different. And that's how it can show up for you. That's what leaky gut looks like. And you're correct that most of your neurotransmitters, for example, serotonin, 90% of that is made in your gut. So if you're having symptoms like depression, you got to really look at the digestive tract and go, okay, what about your digestive system needs to be improved that will result in a better mood, right? So you have something called the vagus nerve that goes from your digestive tract to your brain and vice versa. So it's a two-way street, but 90% of the fibers of your vagus nerve actually go from your gut to your brain. So when I found that out, that was mind blowing to me because truly your gut affects your brain more than your brain affecting your gut. It's, it's so incredible. If you think about it, it makes sense. If you, let's say you have depression, your doctor puts you on an antidepressant 
you're not putting that right into your brain. You're putting that into your mouth. It's going into your digestive tract and it's affecting your mood. So it kind of makes sense. On the flip side, there are great things we can do for your digestive system. We can add in supportive probiotics, do education to help you eat the right foods to help those probiotics to be healthy. You have 10 times more bacteria in your gut than you have human cells in your body. So we're actually made of more bacteria than we are human cells. It's incredible. So working to improve the health of your bacteria is paramount for mood and just everything else I talk about. There's research that shows connection between bad bacteria and heart disease. It's amazing how there can be that, that connection. When one of the stool tests that I run, it's the coolest thing. They do this really detailed report and they will show all the different types of bacteria that you have in your stool. And it'll show the connection between those findings and specific diseases. So it'll show, okay, these particular bacteria have been linked to Parkinson's in the research, have been linked to autism in the research. So <laughs> it's just incredible. And it doesn't mean it diagnoses those things. It just says those things are more linked. So if that's something you deal with, this may really be the root of the problem for you and not your genetics. <laughs> Right. I recommend the GI map. What do you use? I love the GI map. I lately am using vibrant wellness because I use so many tests through them. And so I can get different package discounts. So both of them are wonderful, very thorough tests. Yeah. And discounts are good because unfortunately insurance companies aren't. Right. We try to make it as cheap as, as possible. It's not a cheap route, just being honest, but in the end, it ends up being cheaper because you get better and you're able to just have a healthier body. And that prevents all kinds of things down the line that end up being very expensive. So it, it, it is an investment. And to your point, it'd be wonderful if insurance covered this form of medicine. So we get to be, we really need to be advocates pushing for, for that and demanding from our insurance companies that they cover certain things and hopefully it'll get to that place. But yeah. And there's also like health savings account. There's certain insurance companies. I, I forgetting the name off the top of my head, but even like certain Christian insurance companies where they're reimbursing really well for our services. So looking into alternative options is uh, maybe worth it. So how does being a Christian make you look at medicine? Yeah, I bring in the spiritual piece a lot more than I used to. So I was raised Christian, but I didn't really practice that for a long time. And then after I had my son in 2019, I got born again. And after that, everything changed and I'll be sitting here with the patient and I'm like, holy moly, there is a huge spiritual component to this and pray before I come into my office and just ask the Holy Spirit to really work on people's hearts and to let the clinic be a place of hope for them. And it's amazing. I, I think it, it's the most important thing with our health, really. I think that a lot of times our conditions can start in the spiritual and manifest in the physical. It, it just helps me to see things differently. And, and it also helps me to kind of redefine health. I think someone can be healthy when they're spiritually healthy, even if they have certain symptoms, I still see them as healthy. It's interesting. It's not that your health is just defined by your physical health. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. And then just really having that humility. I don't put myself on this pedestal that I'm this almighty doctor with this God complex. I know that I answer to the creator and that he has given me these abilities as a gift. And so it's kind of using it as my ministry. It's like, I'm a vessel for how he wants to heal people. So it just makes it more fun. It's a lot more fulfilling. It's a lot less pressure on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's so much alike in all of that. And I think that we look at what you and I have both gone through in our life, as far as health issues, hormone issues, mold issues, you name it, infertility, whatever. I think God 
lets us, allows us to go through these things so that we can turn around and help others. And I know you've had hundred percent, hundred percent. I know that if I were seeing a doctor and they didn't go through any of that stuff, like when you went and saw your 20 something year old doctor that just dismissed what you were going through, there's only so much that can happen from that interaction. But if they've been there, they've gone through it, they get it. It's, it's night and day. So yeah, there's scripture talking about using our, our testimony that we, it is my testimony. And, and even just this conversation, it's a good reminder to, to talk about it more as my testimony, because it, it changes lives that yes. we put and every person listening, we all have our own testimony. So we really need to own that and use that because we never know who that's going to affect. My story may not make a difference with someone, but maybe someone listening, they have to hear it in, in the language that, that you speak. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Before we go, Dr. Lowe, I from what I understand, are you seeing people, because I, I know so many people listening to this are going to be like, oh, how do I find a doctor, <laughs> Dr. Lauren Noel? Are you seeing people outside of San Diego? Yep. Yep. So I see people locally. I see people in person in San Diego, and I also do phone and zoom appointments all over the country. So distance is not an issue. The only thing that people can't do would be like IV therapy or vitamin shots. And that's pretty much it. If someone wants to do bioidentical prescriptions, I do need to see them in person at least once. So I've had patients fly in just to see me. And then after that, we can continue things, but I can do so many things from a distance that don't require hormones. Yep can work with you. And it may be one of those things where we do hormone testing. And if, if you do need hormones, I may say, okay, this is the prescription I would do for you. Maybe your doctor would be open to doing that. So there's all kinds of ways to make it work. Good. Yeah. Good. Wonderful. We need more people like you. And yes. it was a blessing to meet you. You are a delightful, you're beautiful inside and out. And uh, thank you. This has been really fun. I hope that this really helps people and gives them yeah. some, some hope. I hope so too. And for all my members right now, this is your October deep dive. And I'm going to be uh, taking some of what Dr. Lowe has said and then giving you resources each week, letting you know the testing, the functional medicine, like optimal numbers to look at, not the lab core requests that are so big and uh, give you a bunch of other recipes and stuff. So it's a good month. October's a good month. And Dr. Lowe, thank you once again. Thank you so much. It's been a delight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon. 